Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Robbie Riggs. Welcome to the Way I See It podcast. This show provides a safe space for anyone to share their thoughts, stories, and opinions. Let's get into today's episode. Content warning. The language and content discussed in this episode of The Way I See It may be triggering to some listeners. Discretion advised. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I'm Robbie Riggs, your host, as always. Hope y'all are doing well. Today, I am so fucking excited for this episode. I am pumped for this episode. Today, I am joined by my friend Claire, a.k.a. Charlie Montreal. So Claire is a aspiring music artist who has a song out on Apple Music called Oz, and we'll get into that a little bit in the conversation. I don't want to give too much away in the intro. But she is also a recovering drug addict. She is a rehab survivor, I want to say. And at 18 years old, you know she's been through a lot in her life and what I loved so much about this conversation was it inspires all of us to live out our dreams what I love about Claire and I hope y'all take away from this episode is that no matter what your dream is you have the power to live it out no matter where you come from no matter what your disability is, no matter what your ethnicity is, no matter your life circumstances, no matter what, you know, no matter how much money you have, you have the option and you have the power to live out your dreams. And this is what I hope everyone kind of gets from this episode. So I just also want to say that this conversation is on Zoom, so please excuse the sound quality of, 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 uh, of our audio here, but I feel like the impact of our conversation is just so amazing, and I love how it went. So without further ado, here is my friend Claire. All right, so... The history of your life you've been through a lot and you're only 18 years old yeah it's kind of crazy to me how much you've been through and yet you're still around i mean not that it's you know but it's 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 pretty pretty insane so how did this all like how did this all start for you man like were you like as like were you depressed or were you like how did this old drug thing start up? Um, well, I want to start by saying that I am very fortunate um, in a lot of ways. You know, I've definitely had my hardships in my life, but it's nothing compared to, you know, a lot of other people in the world. And I'm very lucky to be happy and healthy in here today. Um, but yeah, I think I think with most struggles with mental health, it starts when you're young. Um, when I was maybe 10 or so, I uh, was diagnosed with early onset OCD and started my first therapy, um, around then. Um, I had, a kind of a case where I, I couldn't leave my house without 
um, make sure everything was even and I had to, you know, touch the wall 10 times and make sure I was spinning the right way. And, you know, it took up so much time that I ended up taking, you know, I didn't really go to school that much. Um, and then I guess just from that point, you know, that feeling of being different than everyone else, you know, when you're in grade four and five, there's, there's not, uh, a lot of understanding in, uh, for kids with mental health if you're not one. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, you know, started around then. And then, um, you know, being bullied, being an outsider, being the only weird arts kid, which, you know, the thing I love about myself most now, the thing I hated about myself back then. Um, and then, yeah, you know, started high school very hard, I had a good year and then um kind of everything fell when I got sick in grade 10 um didn't really leave my house didn't get out of bed for a few months and that really put me in a pit of depression um and from there it, it spiraled spiraled for about a year or so in this wave of uh suicidalness and depression and uh severe anxiety um in and out of the hospital but you know making making do um and then of course um in the end of my well beginning of my grade 12 year is when I finally got um some help for um addictions which I had developed in my grade 11 school year um you know it's a common path from mental health to addiction and I was one of those people that got caught up in it um the best way I explain it to people is when so much happens in your life, um, you go through hardships, you kind of get to this feeling of it's too much emotion, too much feeling, and you'll do absolutely anything you can to feel numb. Um, for me, drug use was a way of feeling numb, um, an escape from reality, as one might say. Um, but unfortunately, it got to a point where uh, I couldn't be numb anymore. Really feeling numb was so awful. So that's when I started using different drugs to start to feel something. And then it was completely counteracting each other. And I really ended up spiraling down in the path that I needed some rehab help from. I went to rehab for about two months and I've been clean ever since. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I like what you said, though, when you uh, were talking, when you said kids can be mean. and it's so true. Kids can be the fucking worst. I mean, I can exactly. remember, you know, exactly. Like I can remember the last time I was like at, you know, I was in school. I, especially elementary school and some of high school, more so elementary school, kids would like make fun of like the music I would listen to and all sorts of things. And now, you know, here I am yeah. doing, pursuing an, a, 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 an, a, an artistry and something where exactly you know you, you I, I would have been made fun of and the thing is with you you know you're a fucking artist yeah right I'm a fucking artist <laughs> I feel like yeah like I feel like you you know artists are kind of meant to kind of go down that hole and we'll, we'll get back to that exactly bit, yeah exactly like, no I, I say I say the things that make you weird when you're a kid are the things that make you amazing when you're an adult, the things yeah. that make you interesting, right? When you're, when you're young, you're almost 
formated into this very, uh, this is what you should be doing. This is what's the trend. This is how all kids should be. You know, there's not a lot of individuality that's accepted, you know? So it's just fear of the different, you know? It's the xenophobia of the world. But um, I think when you get older, you learn to, you know, meet the right people and stuff. And I think about the people that I surround myself with. And I think, you know, I don't know how many people would, would, would put up with us, but I don't want to deal with any of the, those people because I, I only want to hang out around these strange, interesting people that, you know, everyone has the same <laughs> kind of stories about being mistreated as a kid, but um, it's really what makes you stronger and what, you know, builds a foundation for a really kind of interesting adult, you know, someone who's been through it and um you know has a lot of character yeah yeah and the thing is when i when i met you i don't know something about you just kind of drew me to you and it's like i think it's your wisdom your wisdom to kind of keep having an like having attitude of keep going even though you've been through hard shit and i want to ask you when when you're under like if you don't mind me asking what drugs what drugs did you take was it weed was it methamphetamines was it cocaine was it like um well i think like most people um started smoking weed um i think one of the biggest misconceptions in the world is that weed is a gateway drug um that's not true you know i didn't i didn't go right from weed to cocaine you know that's not how it works um I was a weed smoker I'm still a weed smoker you know it's something that I find very um almost spiritual and relaxing for me um really helps my anxiety what you know was more of the gateway is when I started you know partying when I started drinking more and then it led to oh try this try that um and then I really was was heavily into cocaine right before um my rehab um experience um up to the point where i was going through ridiculous amounts you know every night and then spending my days on xanax and then going back and spending my whole night on on cocaine and really not sleeping for months and being so go 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 that i didn't actually have a moment to you know step back and realize what was going on and even when um you know my family was saying, you need to get some help. You need to go to rehab. And my, um, you know, my head was kind of like, yeah, I guess I'll go. But, you know, I don't really think I need it. And it wasn't until I really got there and I um, you know, got through withdrawal and sobered up and realized all the things I was doing that were completely not healthy and realizing that I was kind of in denial about my use and, you know, always said, oh, I can stop whenever I want. I just don't want to stop. Right. Um which is a really common thing, but when it actually came down to it, I wasn't able to stop on my own. And I, I know that uh, without the help of CAMH in Toronto, I I don't think I would be where I am today. Well, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is too, when you start taking these so-called uppers, <laughs> so to speak, yeah, you are, you don't, you take them, because you are you're 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 you want it's the high it's you want the high feeling but the thing is what people don't understand is 
when you take it, you think, oh, it's not going to control me. Well, it does start to control you. And exactly. you feel extremely, extremely good. And you want your brain goes, oh, I love this feeling. And then what ends up exactly, happening yeah. is you start to kind of depend mm-hmm. on it and it becomes an addiction. And mm-hmm. I can kind of relate because when I first got my anxiety medication, um, it wasn't Ciprolex. It was some other sort of medication. And I went to my doctor and he told me, he goes, do not take this medication because you could get addicted to it. And yeah. with medications that have no expiry dates, it's easy. You know, those are, I guess, the the watch out kind of drugs. And it's kind of the same with you. There were yeah. no, like those drugs are not meant to be medicated on. They're yeah. drugs. But in your case, you were addicted to those kind of things. And so what sort of, like, what did you like most about taking them in the moment? Um. I think when you're someone who struggles with, you know, really heavy depression and anxiety, it's, it's the escapism, you know, it's the, it's the being able to release from life and whether it's forgetting about, you know, all your troubles and, you know, not even remembering that you have a family and friends and responsibility, or it's, you know, just a feeling of euphoria and um, carelessness, but, and freedom, but, you know, I'd, I'd say it's more, the addiction really, you feel it not not when you're on it, but uh, on the withdrawal, on the day later, on a week later, when you're back to reality, you're feeling worse than you were before because, say, you're low on dopamine or serotonin. And, and that's when you're like, well, well, I need it. It's no longer a want, it's a need. You know, and that's the thing with, um, yeah, things like illegal drugs or things like um, pharmaceuticals. And it's, you're not taking a specific dose. It's not like, oh, every day I take my three Tylenol or whatever it may be. It's, it increases without you even noticing or you start to develop a tolerance. And eventually by the time you kind of realize, oh, this might be a problem, you're way in. It's like, it's like cooking eggs. They're d- you're done a minute before you are done mm-hmm. analogy but yeah you don't really know you're addicted until you're you're all in and that's kind of rock bottom you know yeah exactly by that time the drug has taken over you and you don't know that it's taken over you or if you do it's it sounds like it's very numbing yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, my problem is I had a, I had a cycle of wanting to feel numb, but then wanting to feel something that's, you know, I, I had, I was on uppers all night and downers all day, which is really backwards, but, uh, yeah, all night trying to, you know, feel something and then on cocaine and then spending my days just wanting to numb myself out from depression with, with Xanax and anything I could find really and then when you get caught in a bad circle you just it gets to a point where you don't even know what you're taking you don't 
you don't know, you don't trust anybody, but you also don't care. You know, you know, somebody's passing you a, a weed token. You very well know that there could be fentanyl or, you know, an amphetamine or, or meth or anything, you know, in it, but you're just at a point where you're, you don't really care anymore. And it isn't until you, uh, you know, you get help and, you know, you get your first blood test and they tell you that there's fentanyl in your blood and there's all this different stuff that you realize it's it's a it's a spiral path that unless you get help there's you just can't keep going yeah yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i want to kind of talk about now i kind of want to segue into what your whole opinion on the whole jail situation the whole rehab situation is like because I did an episode uh, a few a few weeks back, and it was basically talking about how I feel that there's too much punishing in the system when it comes to people who do drugs and who are invested yeah. in drugs. And the thing is, what I said in that in that episode, and what I will always say is that people do not intend to go on drugs or to be addicted to drugs because they want to be bad. They are hurting. They are depressed. And I will always stand by that. And I just wanted to know, how do you feel when you hear about, because it must be very triggering for you, when you hear about people who take drugs being um, put in jail or anything like that, or being um, judged upon based on their drugs. How do you feel yeah, about Yeah, you know, it it kind of hurts because I know that, you know, my path could have easily gone a totally different way and that could be me, you know? Um, it's, it's weird to me when people are, you know, put in, incarcerated for, for things like, you know, minor possession and stuff like that because it's, in my mind, it's like, like you wouldn't arrest somebody for having a mental illness right and addiction mm-hmm. is a mental mm-hmm. illness um you know i think there's very few people that you know go into life saying oh i'm going to be a drug dealer i'm going to sell math on the street it doesn't work like that you know you you get caught up you get addicted and then once you're addicted you, you can't get a job you can't do anything because you don't have money and then how are you going to make money with the only thing you know is drugs so then you're gonna flip and you're gonna do all that and it's really is an awful spiral I think you know the the criminal justice system is really really messed up and in the sense that you can in the states you can you know get put in jail for having marijuana on you and end up doing years and years and then on the same side you can you know really really violently assault someone and then get out in a couple of years with good behavior you know it's it's really all over the place and isn't um isn't perfect definitely something that needs to be worked on yeah yeah i know um whenever like there's a podcast i listen to called recovering from reality and um in it they were talking about like how when you go into jails, you are just a number. 
And it's like, yes, that person should be punished for the crime that they committed. But however, that's where it should stop. It should be ended when you get out of that jail door. That's where it's done. That's yeah, exactly. And goal, you know, you should time served and move on with your life. Yeah, you should not be judged and put on a pedestal when it comes to your um, who you are as a person. And that's hard, you know. People, people are released, and then, you know, most often people are people go right back, and it's because you know you do your time, you serve your time, but then it's still on your record. It's still forever there, you know getting credit or getting a job or living somewhere is always going to be hard because of that record. Um, And then it's, again, it's the same thing with you do what you know, you end up right back where you were and, you know, working in crime is the only way you can. And then you end up back in jail and it's really, it's really awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something else I want to kind of ask you too, and this is something I often struggle with because me and you are very close as friends and I get very emotionally, I've been very emotionally attached to you for quite a while now. And I'll be the first to admit it. I have been very drawn to you and I've been very emotionally attached to you. Have you ever felt that way with, with, with anybody? Like, cause I, I realize that, what makes us empathetic is what we've gone through in the past. And I've gone through my own anxieties. And because of that, that's why I'm very emotionally attached to people like you who have gone through shit in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, in your opinion, do you think that's a healthy thing for people to be drawn to people like that? Because it could also be taken the other way too. Whereas you can be drawn to people like you who have gone through shit in their life but they could also be very manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think number one rule is always, you know, know your, know yourself uh, and be careful with um, who you surround yourself with. Um, I think it's totally great to have, um, you know, people that you can look up to people who inspire you and are positive influences in your life. Um, what isn't healthy is uh, the idolization or uh, getting really attached. Um, I really struggle with, um, you know, attachment issues and um, abandonment issues, just this constant fear of I get really attached to people really quickly. And then I'm always terrified of people leaving me. And I don't really know where it started, but it's just this thing that's up with me. So I'm very, um, aware of that personally about you know taking things slow and um, really learning like getting to know people before I really put all my trust into them um, and all that stuff um, I think yeah number one it's you should inspire yourself you should you should be someone that you hope that other people look at and say I want to be this person or I want to I want to be around this person or have these qualities you know um, it is totally great to, you know, see other people as, um, inspiring to you or someone you want to look up to, but, you know, what, what comes with that is, you know, taking those qualities saying, oh, this person is really generous. I love how this person is really generous. 
and then you know learning from them on how to be really generous yourself or someone's positive attitude you know they've been through a lot but look so that's something you can take for yourself so look this person's been through this I've been through some hard things they're still positive because life positive because life goes on and you can't be held back from things yeah yeah exactly and I think you know the number one thing that you know I've learned from you as our friendship has grown is that it's okay to not be with someone all the time. It's okay to not be with uh, your idol all the time. And, you know, when it comes down to it, you're right. We do have to be very careful of not letting that person get to our head. Because what happens is when we let that person get to our head, we, it's, it's easy for us to think, Oh, that, you know, I have to do, it's up to that person, you know, it's up to that person to define my life. And that, that, that's where it can be extremely, um, extremely uh, dangerous. Yeah, it can it can get unhealthy, you know. Um, I always say, and I've told you this before. You know, you have to be, you have to have to be happy with yourself before you can have any kind of interpersonal relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship, friendship, even just having acquaintances or working with people. You know, number one is like, you have to be happy and comfortable alone before you can be comfortable with somebody else. And that was um, definitely something that I had to learn in my life. Um, spent a lot of time relying on other people for um, to get me through the day. And that's not to say that help isn't important. I, I go back to, you know, I was not able to uh, recover with my addiction and battle that without the help of other people. But at the beginning of the day, if I didn't want to quit if I didn't want to move on with my life it would have just all been information thrown at me and I would have done my time and gone right back into my life as it was before but the fact that I personally want to change and seek change was what really got me through at the end of the day yeah yeah Mm mm-hmm now, um, I want to segue into rehab because you've been in rehab. I've never been in rehab. Explain yeah. what, what was that like? Because a lot of people, you know, would say that like there's a lot of, you know, people do like drug interventions. And from what I've seen, like on shows like Dr. Phil, <laughs> is that, yeah. you know, um, it's not good to just take drugs away. You shouldn't take yeah. drugs, just take drugs away from someone because that's like taking half of them away. You can't just do that. And I feel like as a society, we are getting better at it. And from that same podcast I referred to before, Recovering from Reality, is that you should not do things like just take a drug away. You should literally just let the other person figure their shit out before you 
take their Xanax or their cocaine away. You shouldn't even do it at all. So I'm wondering, yeah, you know, I mean, with, with your rehab situation, did they like, did, like, did they take the drug away? Like, what was that experience like for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start by saying that um, rehabilitation in Canada is a lot different than the States. Um, also, um, places like CAMH that are funded through the government and not private, um, they're very different than other ones. And every single one you go to will be different. You know, when I was looking for a place, there was some place in the country where I could go and ride horses and sit around this campfire and sing about sobriety. And then there's ones that are very institutionalized where they're very, very strict. Um, I was at a place to where it was um, um, for mental health and um, and addictions. And it was for um, youth, mostly between the ages of, say, 13 and 20, 25. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, you can't just take away something, a possession from somebody. Um, in their regular life and just expect that to work you know you can't just like take your child's favorite stuffed animal away and expect them not to cry you know um so you know that would that wouldn't just work for me i couldn't just stop cold turkey on its own um in a place like that though um it is drug free there are constant blood tests and urine tests all that stuff you absolutely cannot have any substances on the unit um it's basically like a floor of a really nice hospital or um, like a crappy dorm room. Um, and um, my program had, it was round the clock. We were there for uh, about six weeks during the programming. Um, the first few days, obviously really hard because you're in withdrawal. Um, you have to completely clear your system and have nothing. Um, nothing there which for a lot of people it's been months since they've been fully clean um so that is really hard often you're really angry or irritable or just really sad um or angsty you know it's a million things you know you get really sick and your cold sweats and you're throwing up and it's really not fun um and then you know once you get past that it's like a little light at the end of the tunnel um and then when you're there, you work at different things, different things you need. So um, where I was, we had different groups uh, for different mental health things. We had mindfulness groups and CBT and um, skills for outside and uh, all different things that kind of surrounded mental health and um, dealing with coping with addictions um, in the outside world. Because um, you get into a habit of being there after a while you're in your own little bubble and you think oh yeah I can totally do this but part of it is and most of it is learning the skills for how to be on the outside when you return to your normal world and your friends and your your hometown how to not just sink right back into the same patterns you know so I was um, very fortunate that where I went was um really well done in the sense that it wasn't just locking us in our rooms, get through your withdrawal, eventually we'll send you home in a few weeks. It was a lot of programming, you know, there was access to go on, um, you know, group walk maybe once a week or um, go 
go to the gym or have somebody come in and do an art class or a cooking class or um, a boxing, just different stuff that, you know, kind of gave you a sense of there are other joys in life other than substance use. Um, that was very, very helpful. But at the same time, it's really hard being in there. It was definitely not, not easy. Definitely one of the hardest things in my life. Um, you know, you feel very alone. Um, it's new. And, you know, for the first time in a really long time, you're alone with your, your thoughts, your natural thoughts and not, um, something that's changing you. And that can be really hard, um, to be with your real self for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's even harder when, you know, some people go through these things and they have friends who've also, who are also in drugs, who are also, you know, in alcoholism, whatever the case may be. And then they are in these facilities where you might not ever see those friends for however many months or years. And yeah, it can be, it can be very lonely. It can be very just very emotionally draining. It can be very mentally draining. Um, it definitely is. You know? Yeah. 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 It's def- It's, it's a lot. Um, being away from friends, family, um, freedom, especially, you know, when you're in your late teens, early twenties, you're not used to having someone tell you when to wake up, when to go to bed, uh, what you can and can't watch. You know, it seems like you're, you feel like a child again. You really do. Um, being monitored all the time. Um, but you know, it's necessary. And you miss your friends, you miss your family a lot, but also through it, you, you learn who, um, you learn who you people are, you learn who's important. And often, you know, one of the hardest things is realizing that, you know, some people you consider your closest friends, you need to remove from your life, um, which I had to do with a few people, which was really, really hard. But um, I knew deep down in my heart that it was going to be really hard to return to normal life. And you know, being around certain people was not going to make it any easier. If anything, it was just going to pressure me back into the same lifestyle. I really restricted myself and only held on to a few people in my life that were 100% supportive of me and either sober themselves or users that were um, really supportive of my clean journey and weren't trying to interrupt that anyway. Um, and I'm glad I did because every once in a while I do see people that uh, I used to associate with and they're still stuck in a rut and I feel really bad. I feel really awful that they're still like that, but I know um, if I was still around them, I don't know if I would have been able to stay clean. I think, I don't think I would have been able to bring them up. I think they would have just brought me down. Yeah. Yeah, Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've, I've had to remove a friend from my life who's been a friend for 10 years and I, and I'm 22. We've been friends since we were 12. 12. And it's like, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, you know, this person that you've come to know for 10 years, 
And then all of a sudden now you have to remove them from your life. It's hard because you don't want to remove them, but at the same time, you know, you have to, and that's the hardest thing. Um, You got to do what's best for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. You have to do exactly, you have to do what's best for yourself and you have to, um, you have to be able to not worry about what the other person thinks. I think that's the hardest thing. Yeah. 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 For sure. So you're into music. You put out an amazing single, which is on Apple Music. Um, how did you get started in music? Because that's a, that's a very interesting career to get into after your whole, you know, after going through drugs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was a kid, um, I was in the Hamilton Children's Choir, which is a really well-known, well-known, well-known um, uh, touring, competing choir um, in Canada. Um, it was very intense. Um, <laughs> I spent six or seven years um, training with them, and it's um yeah it's really intense you're on you're kind of on a contract there's things you can and can't do um you have to be in rehearsals multiple times a week and you have to be able to drop everything for a few weeks to go on tour at least once a year um it's a lot of responsibility and um as a kid struggling with uh really bad anxiety knowing that you're every once in a while you have to leave home uh, with nobody and no phone, no contact, and um, have to literally represent your country um, was really intense and really hard, um, but it really kept me in line um, a lot, and it was something that I was really proud of, um, something that I could do, even though, again, you know, as a kid, nobody else was in a competitive choir. Everyone I knew was in dance and, and hockey and um, basketball and stuff like that and I was you know actually doing this really amazing thing but was bullied for it um I eventually did have to stop when um when my mental health got really hard and um when I started using um mainly because I couldn't I couldn't keep up with everything it was I wasn't fit to uh, continue in that. And, you know, and a, a, another big part of it that, you know, led to my me leaving was that I felt like I couldn't relate to anyone anymore. Um, we were all kind of around the same age. I was one of the older ones by that time. I was in high school, but um, I was really aware that I was the only one there in rehearsal that was wondering when I would get my next bump or when I was going to pick up a new stash or how I was going to flip things. Like it, I was the only one there thinking about that, that world. Everyone else there was worried about their crush or their basketball game or their um, different stuff. And not to say that, that those issues were any smaller, but it was just, I didn't have anyone to relate to anymore. I couldn't, I didn't feel that sense of family as much as I did when I was younger. Um, so I left and that was really, really hard for me. Um, you know, having, what is my sense of purpose? 
forever all I thought was I was going to be a singer. Um, and then somewhere along the way, I discovered um, that making my own music, writing my own music was really for me. I guess like as a kid, I always, you know, had a piano and I'd plunk out little songs. But um, when I discovered uh, electronic music was really a turning point for me in my life. Um, when I realized that there was this kind of outlook of somewhere that I could put out my emotion in a really, in a healthy way um, that wasn't, wasn't drugs. Um, and that's a, that's a big thing right now. You know, you look at a lot of the artists, kind of underground hip hop artists that are in the game and a lot of their stories are kind of the same. You know, they struggled with mental illness and addiction and this is a positive output for um, some of that negative energy. Um, being able to express what you're feeling um, in a song is much, much more um, satisfying than using. Um, so yeah, I love it. I love being able to make my own music. You know, I say, I make this joke with my my friends and everybody that I meet the, when they ask what I want to do with my life. And I just say, you know what? I, I just, I just want to make music and then die eventually. Other than that, I don't really care. <laughs> you know, I don't really care. <laughs> I just want to make music. Yeah. And yeah. And the thing is a lot of us, I'm kind of the same boat as you where I want to do voice acting and podcasting and I eventually want, you know, this to be a career. Um, yeah. either of those things but what I don't want to do and this is what a lot of young people do and this is why me and you relate so well I don't want to take what's easy I do yeah. not want to take oh this is a 9 to 5 okay that's easy I'll just do a job at Walmart because it's easy yeah. I understand if you're a broke you know if you're a, if you're a broke bitch and you need to make some money <laughs> sure go, right, go the fuck ahead yeah but yeah. What the problem that a lot of people, and the thing is a lot of young people just do, do it. Like I said, they do it because it's easy and they do it because, oh, it's, oh, you know, I, I don't really want to do what I love, but I just want to, I want to, I just want to do it just to get a job. Yeah. Well, guess what? Yes, it's easy. It's quick. But guess what happens? Your mental health can go over the rocks. And yeah. It's a exactly. lot more time consuming and a lot of people are like, you know, especially my, my, my parents and family were like, you know, aren't you going to go to school? I'm like, uh, I don't know what I wanted. I don't want to go to school just for the hell of going to school. Yeah. I don't want to do think... something for the hell of it. I want to do what I will love. And yes, this is a hard career. And what you want to do is a hard career too, but we love what we do so much that we don't, it doesn't matter if it's a hard career. We're, we're still exactly. willing to put the extra mile in. We're still unwilling to wait for that agent or that label or that company. We don't care. Yeah. We just like putting out content. That's what we like. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, a lot of people take the easy road and there's a lot of pressures out there. Um, you know, whether it's a cultural thing or it's a, with your family, um, you know, I know a lot of people that say have have dreams, but they're just dreams. Um, you know, they don't have to be just dreams. Um, definitely easy road, not for me. Um, 
I I had a really good job when I was in high school. I worked in a bakery. Um, and um, out of all of the, you know, part-time teenage jobs that you could get, it was probably one of the best. You know, I didn't have to work at 3 a.m. over a fryer at McDonald's. I actually got to, you know, hang out and work with a lot of people that were really great. But even still, it just, it was not for me. My anxiety and working with customers and having to have a set, be there at this time and leave at this time and this is your break was absolutely not for me. I was absolutely not cut out for a nine to five job. Um, (laughs) When I was born, um, my mom went into the hospital at nine and I was born by five. So everyone in the hospital thought I was definitely going to have a nine to five job which could not be more true. Um, I I don't like the easy road. I don't even want to sign to a label ever. That's one of my big things. I want to own all my music. I want to own all my masters. I want to be the CEO of my own label where there's artist freedom and it's a collaborative space. And it's not just, oh, you can put out your song when we need money as a label. You know, I have a lot of, I have a lot of dreams in life, but the difference is I don't just see them as dreams. I see them as things I want to do. And I don't just want to be some, I don't want to be a a famous pop singer, as kids used to say. It's, I want to be able to be an artist and um, produce and have have an opinion and have a say. I have a presence in the world because I know that I do have a lot to say and I know that I'm one of those people that would is not I'm not selfish you know I I want to be successful so that I can do things and make a difference not so that I can say I have the biggest house and the biggest estate and leave massive inheritance for my offspring you know I want this world needs so much change and I really just want to be a part of it yeah Mm -hmm. I know um that for for myself for my own journey I was told that a lot like you I was um I was put on a pedestal and I'm still kind of put on a pedestal. And I was told that, you know, when I, when I joined an employment agency, I was told that as soon as I told them I wanted to do voice acting, the first thing that came out of the girl's mouth was that it's not sustainable. And I feel like anybody can say it's not sustainable. Anybody can say anything, that, anyone can say whatever the fuck they want to say. But if you yeah. have that draw or that passion to something, you don't care if you're not making money with it yet. You will, you will die. You will starve if you have to. Yeah. Because that's your passion. The life of a broke artist is, yes. is, is the dream. <laughs> but the thing is, a lot of people would say to you and I, like, why would you choose a road where you, you have to market yourself? Because we don't care yeah. about that. And I think people like that should stay in their field. Because you... If you have that kind of, you know, lack of determination, you know, it's not going to work for you. You have to have so much drive in the industry 
And if you're the kind of person that's going to say, oh, that's not sustainable or, oh, that's not, you know, paycheck to paycheck, like it's, then you're not cut out for it. You know, you have to be flexible. You have to, you know, and that's the thing with the arts going into it. You very well know that you could either end up on the street or you could end up in a trillion dollar mansion. You know, it's such a wide spectrum of outcomes that that's kind of the exciting part. I don't want my life to be laid out, written out for me. I want to discover things and be able to change and migrate and um, develop as a person and not just be stuck in an office for the next 60 years. Yeah. And it's sad because I feel like we are very lucky in the terms that both of us have that determination. There are so many young yeah, people our age. Drive. Or the drive. Like there's so many people our age, like my friends, like in her like 23 and she's working like a few jobs. And it's like, that is so bad for you. Like she, like she's like, every time I contact her, she's driving or going to work or at work. And it's like, you're a young I think that's person. A drive. That is drive in itself. You know, yeah, it is. There's it, not just, yeah. it's just, yeah, that's, that's, you gotta have a lot of, a lot of passion for what you're doing to be able to have that much drive. And I think it's just, you know, it's not, it's not just about the arts. Um, I think in anything in life and anything that you want to do, even if you, your dream is to work in an office, you know, it's at least have the, have the motivation to not be sitting in that same one cubicle your entire life, you know, at least have the drive to better yourself and increase and evolve in in your, in your career. And maybe it's not just about your career. You know, it's maybe, maybe you do have a, a, a simple job, but so that you can go home at five every day and, spend your time with your family or whatever it is that you your hobby or whatever it is that you also want to do and you love you know it's with anything in your life that you're passionate about it's important to have that drive yeah exactly exactly and you know for anyone who wants to work in a grocery store like more power to you if you want to work at walmart more yeah. fucking power I mean, to you yeah. it's like it's we just like you because i'm not doing it Oh, exactly. I'm not either. I'm not either. Um, yeah. Getting I back have a to lot of respect for people who can work in customer service. It's I know it's so hard. I really couldn't. I really couldn't do it. You know, I'm a I'm a person. I'm such a people person. But yeah, there's something about um, dealing with really rude people all the time. But um, definitely not yeah. my thing. You know, I don't know. get me wrong. I will, I will love my fans till the end of the earth, but, and I will love my haters till the end of the earth, but, uh, customer service, I'm going to let someone else have that job who needs that job. Yeah, exactly. So if you're in customer service, we applaud you because we can't do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. It's almost like you need that patience. <laughs> and if you have it, that's awesome, and I and I highly That's encourage you to pursue that. But if you're somebody who wants yeah. to get into our industries, 
you have to have a lot of patience. Yeah. You have to have a lot of drive. A lot of drive and a lot of uh, resilience. As my mom says, you have to be tough on. Everything's just got to roll off you. You got to take the L's and take the wins and learn from everything. Yeah, because I cannot tell you how many people I've reached out to to get on this podcast. Now, only now people are now starting to reply. And it's like, yeah, if I didn't have that drive to keep putting out content, uh, the podcast would have been gone and I would have just been sorrowing in my anxiety, depression self. And it's like, that is the, that is the worst thing you can do is yeah exactly. like imagine if i were to give up this whole podcast right now i would not be sitting here talking to you i would not be talking mm-hmm. to you know whole bunch, i would not be wanting to have conversations with so many other people and it's like yeah exactly you know what's the point in giving up if and you know you know you, you might have parents or family members like i do who don't understand what you're doing and that's fine they don't have to that's not your job that's not your task and yeah. if they don't, at least you have that drive. No one else can take that away from you. If you have that drive, yeah. no one else, everyone else can say whatever the fuck they want to say. That's their opinion. Exactly. That is not your opinion. That is just them either being ignorant or being afraid. And 10 times, not like nine or nine or 10 times out of 10, it's them just being afraid and them just caring about you. Yeah. But nevertheless, yeah. you know, it's not, you should not let that roll. Uh, you should not let that define who you are. And I look at one of our role models um, who works for um, our studio. He's a great yeah. example of that. Oh, yeah. The man has so oh, much yeah, pride and passion. Christian is the one of the most inspiring people, if not the most inspiring person I've ever met. Um, yeah, Christian is gold. The man. passion so and passion and determination that that man has is is incredible and I think what's the most admirable um about working with you know both Christian and staff is that um they don't only have a passion for um their own self on their own journey but um they care so much about other people's and helping them on their journey um whether it's finding yourself or make trying to make it in this crazy arts business you know they they have that um that drive still that's okay I've I've I'm successful I've made it but I still have this drive and I still want to do my thing and I still want to help other people until I explode (laughs) and it's 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 very it's very admirable I cannot tell you how many times I've contacted Christian and he is not even available. Like he will say he is, but he's not. And that is because he is busy helping so many other people achieve their dreams. And exactly. And that's such a, that's like, it's like being a genie, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. And it's like, I often ask my career. Yeah, and it's like I often ask him, like, dude, how are you? Because he is so busy. Like, I've seen him, like, on his lowest of his lows. Yeah. And 
he is so busy and I've seen him drained. I've seen him with his voice completely gone because of teaching. But the man still has that drive. And I think that's what he implements in all of us is that you can come from the slumps. You can come from the fucking ghetto and you can still have that drive. And I feel like, you know, you and I, all of us have our own sort of challenges. You know, you've come from drugs. I've come from anxiety and a disability. But, you know... But what's important is that that's not the only thing that defines you. You know, you can come from whatever past, whatever, but it's about bringing what what else is in you out. You know, I'm not just a recovering addict. You know, I'm not just a mental health patient. I'm not just whatever it may be, but I'm working so that I can be an artist and so that I can you know I'm not and I am right I'm trying to accept that that you know that is Claire um it's a million things that make up Claire and some are challenging but a lot are great exactly exactly and I think the worst thing you can do and I heard this from um, the unmistakable creative one of the episodes in that podcast is the worst thing you can do is to try and defeat pain and to try and ignore pain. Yeah. You can't ignore it. You have have to tackle it. And um, you have to know the difference between stuff you can tackle and stuff you have to accept. Um, There's a Bible quote. I don't know word for word. But um, it's about you know the the strength to change the things that I can, uh, the courage to accept the things that I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think about that a lot. Um, it's a lot of things I can't change. I can't change my past. I can't change the things that have happened to me, the things that I've done. Um, but there's also a lot of things that I can change about my lifestyle and that I have changed and that I plan on changing and altering and improving. Um, it's, but it's really important to know the difference between those things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 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 So um, the last thing I want to kind of talk to you about is, you know, your album that you're putting out and your song that you yes. have. What is the yes. first thing I'm going to talk, I'm going to ask you about, what's that song about that you put out? Right, what's okay, so the song, I, the song I just put out, um, it's called Oz uh, by Charlie Huncho. It is available on all streaming platforms, um, Apple Music, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, oh, not SoundCloud, <laughs> Spotify, um, <laughs> Apple Pro, Amazon Music, it's even on TikTok. Um, so go check that out. I would very much appreciate that. Um, I will be having, um, an EP, a mini album coming out in the next, um, few months to watch out for. So that's going to be good. Hopefully I'm very, very excited. Um, shout out to Kelsey at the studio for helping me out. Kelsey Irwin Music. Um, (laughs) um, 
love my sound engineer um yeah i the my my recent song that i just put out oz um it, it went a lot deeper than i thought it was going to go um the lyrics are about my struggle with um addiction and this search for um happy place a search for um you know the grass is always greener um searching for oz um as you might put um and searching for wonderland um is also another one i reference a lot of my um my childhood uh favorite stories and that, that do have a deeper meaning um i think that a lot of people think um so my the chorus is i've searched for wonderland just to land up in a k-hole um mr oz please take me home wrap me up in your tornado um so yeah i've searched searched for a really long time whether it be with with drugs or um just a you know looking for an escape um but just to land up uh in a k-hole and up stuck all the time right um i'm saying Mr. Oz, wrap me up. Bring me your tornado. Bring me the crazy. Just, I don't know. Let me be happy, I guess. Um, give it a listen. And I will put that at the end of this podcast episode because it is such a powerful, powerful, powerful song. And, you know, it's just a great one. And um, we're all, you know, I'm, I'm especially looking forward to your EP. And so, you know, I just want to say thanks so much for talking to me today. I'm so fucking proud of you for how far you have come. And this is coming from your elder. <laughs> um, you are, I'm only, I'm 22 and I've never accomplished half of what you have at only 18 years old. You know, you are truly a genius, my fucking hero. And I encourage anyone to just follow your dreams, follow your passion. And yeah, um, would you like to say anything before we um, wrap up here? I just want to thank you, Robbie, for having me on. Um, You truly are an inspiring person yourself. You never cease to amaze me and surprise me every day. I've learned a lot from you um, and I really do wish you the best in all of your endeavors um, with your uh, voice acting and your podcasts and um, everything. You really um, are someone to look up, not just for people with disabilities, but uh, for anyone that you can overcome anything. So yeah, I just want to thank you for having me on the show. It's been great. Ah, thanks so much. And, uh, for everyone listening, um, that's it. And uh, here's here's the song Oz by Charlie Huncho.
Jesus, Lord. 